0: allows us to also see the gifts in their life, and it's just awesome. Just thank you. And I know we're going to celebrate with Pastor Doug today, uh, a momentous occasion for him and his family, right? His son is faithful, Grayson is faithful here. We just bless them today, and we honor what God is doing in their lives. And you know, it's just, it's the fruit of Holy Spirit, you know, and I just thank the Lord for fruit, amen? So we just give him honor today, just to know that Doug... Uh, Pastor Doug and Regina love you very much and this this whole community and their children love love you as well. And I just, the faithfulness, you know, there's every time I come, it's never, uh, it always, uh, it's never surprising. He's just always faithful to all of you. And how many of you know we want to be faithful back to him? Amen. So today, pray for the family, pray for them and uh, pray for John and Grayson as they're going to Hawaii, I heard. So pray for them after uh, they get uh, married today, they're going on a a week there, and we just want the Lord's blessing to be upon their marriage, because I know the Lord also has a call upon their life, right? And we just can't wait to see what God's going to do in their life as we move forward, amen, to this house. Well, I am uh, Tammy and Daniels, and yes, I am the president of Kingdom Impact, and that's kind of what he said a a little while ago, I'm also executive pastor of Kingdom Life, and basically, uh, you know, my heart is for all the campuses that we're going to, to minister in Kingdom Impact, which is making an impact in this earth, and that's our heart today. Um, the, the th- our vision statement is to share life together, right, inspire hope right, and grow people. That's our vision statement. Uh, And we believe God is doing that here in Wilmington. We believe he's doing it in all the other campuses, our Messianic campus, as well as our Southampton campuses. And I just thank God for what he's doing. And I'm expecting great revival and growth in this house. How how many say amen? Amen. I believe that we've had a, a year of evaluation, a huge year. Uh, but now I believe that the Lord is just an open heaven right now. There's just an open spot here in Wilmington. When I came back last time, it was like there. I knew revival even was coming, and then listening to y'all online and and Pastor Doug. You know, y'all really had some miracles in a move of the Spirit right that Sunday and on. And that even that Sunday I was here, I really felt that. Uh, that the Lord really tremendously wants to give you a harvest of growth. Amen. And so we're believing that for this city. So we have to pray it in. Amen. Everything is done through prayer, right? Amen. Everything. So let's pray this morning. I'm going to go right into the sermon called Surrendered Living. Amen? Amen. So Father, we just take this moment, next few moments, and we just... We just want to honor you today, Lord, but I just want to speak your word, Lord, and I just pray that your anointing be upon your word that changes and transforms our lives. I thank you, Lord, that my word will never transform anybody's word, their life, but your word will never return void, and I thank you for that right now, this open window for your word to be spoken in the next time, in the next few minutes, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So surrendered living, so the Lord has put this kind of on my heart in the last couple months, um, just praying, you know, just listen to the harvest, listen to the needs of people, or, you know, just pressing in, and even in my own life, and, and it just seems like, you know, coming out of this past year, you know I minister lots to the pastors, right? And and trying to to encourage them. But I'll be honest, it's been a it's been probably a season in which we've never well, it's been a season which we've never been in far as the church goes. Last year and then this year, I believe that what the Lord is doing, uh, He wants us to go higher. And I believe that God truly puts any test and trials in our lives so that we go up and we get closer to Him. Okay? And so if we don't get closer and we back off, that means that we didn't press through to do what God. God's trying to accomplish and so the word surrender living came because out of my heart of watching people struggle and the harassment of the enemy how many of you know that evil is enlarging itself right we know that hell is enlarging we know that that evil is going to be evil and sinners are going to be sinners in the earth we don't want them you know they don't change until they know Jesus right so we don't judge them right am I right so the but the point is where's the church where are the believers at though and that's what my heart today if you don't know him as your personal Savior today truly we want you to know him as your personal Savior before you leave this house but I'm also talking to the believers and the Christians in the house that we want to know that we're always pressing forward that we're doing this thing called surrendered living if you want to shut the door of access to your home to your life to your daily routine to your health or to maybe over your children your relationships you'll find finances then I believe you've got to be surrendered in those areas and so you're like okay well that's you know okay got it but we don't realize we surrender some things but we don't surrender all things you remember that song you grew up singing I surrender all You know, and that's a real bring it home, right? Do I surrender all? Do I really surrender all? And if you really begin to seek the Lord, the very things that he showed me are the doors of access that the enemy is really making advancement in our life. And you're just tired of it. Guess what? You start surrendering that place. There's always a reason. There's something going on that the enemy has access to begin with. Sometimes trouble comes and you do nothing. It has nothing to do with that. But a lot of times when you are constantly falling in the same thing or you fail in the same mistake or you're still struggling in an addiction that you've not surrendered to the Lord, then the enemy has access there to torment you. You're a Christian, but there's some things aren't victorious. And you're struggling, and it affects other things. And I'm just ready for the church to be victorious. I'm ready for the church to have freedom in every area of their life that they don't have this fear that grips them. So in my heart today is to take a few minutes, is talk about this surrendered living and to evaluate. And I would say the last year and a half, that's what we've done. How many of you evaluated your workload, your job, your friends, your family, your food, your diet, your money? You did it, didn't you? Because we had to. <laughs> because we got into a place like, dear Lord, in heaven what's going on? Right? Right? well we don't want to have calamity before we evaluate we're supposed to evaluate all the time with the Holy Spirit so today surrendered living is about evaluating that's what Jesus did he surrendered in the garden I believe that he actually died right there in the garden of Gethsemane to his will because it was man's will that sin that brought in sin into our lives and Jesus Yeshua HaMashiach Jesus our Messiah he laid down his will in the garden of Gethsemane and there's where he He fought that battle of our own self-will. And how many of you know it is our self, even our temptations comes from the lust of the flesh in which we ourselves are enticed and drawn out of? So how many of you know we're the problem? The devil's not all the problem. But Yeshua himself, he got victory over the natural man of flesh. He wrestled, the Bible says, he sweat. What did he do? He great drops of blood. He died in that garden To his self, so that he was able to lay his life down, Amen. It's the same thing that we can quote in our own life. Christine Kane says, "I don't want to live a balanced life. I want to live a surrendered life because surrendered life is ongoing." You may have your plan down. I have people say, I'll never do that, and I'm never going to do that, and I'll do that. And I've had people, when I took them to Israel, say, they'll never do that, and they won't go do that. And you know, it didn't matter. I wasn't there to tell them to do whatever or not. But the fact is, they, you know, when you scotch your guard like that, and you what do you call it? Put your plant, your feet in the ground, and say you're not going to do something. Do you know as a child of God, even every time, even when we say those things, and uh, uh, we're supposed to say, but even as the Lord wills. Sometimes we make such a commitment to things, and we don't have it surrendered to God at all. It's surrendered to our opinion, our will, listen, and our our lifestyle. It's we're in control. But everything should still be as the Lord wills. Oh, I will never do that as the Lord wills. Because the very thing you say you'll never do, guess what? You'll do. Because God is not that He wants you to, to, to hurt you. He wants to bring you into a place of submission and humility that you recognize you need Him. Because if you don't need Him, you're not going to get Him. You're going to make it on your own. And how many of you know, and then eventually we fail and we say, oops, okay, I need God? I don't want to keep saying, oops, I need God. I want Him in my life. Amen. And so this is a word that the the Lord kind of gave me. I want to shut the door to the adversary. I want to know, God, is there anywhere in my life that I've given the devil access to my friends, my family, my money, my schedule? Is it submitted to the Lord? Are you praying? Do you pray before you buy a car? Do you pray before you buy a house? Or do you buy the house and then beg God to help you pay for the house? It's so true, right? I remember I bought a coffee pot one time, and it was $250, one of those Neos, Nespressos, whatever. Expensive. It's when they first come out. Real expensive. I loved coffee. I'll never forget this. I went there and I bought it. I didn't really pray about that. It was a big, let's uh, uh, say, why are you pray about a pop I pray about every kind of larger, you know, expense. And I was there and I didn't think about it. But something was like, now you don't really pay for $250. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do it. So I bought it, went home. And all the way home, it was like the Lord dealt with me. Why did you do that? Not that I didn't have the money. I had the money. But it's, was I supposed to do that? So you know what I did? I turned around and took that thing back. But do you know that I could go buy one right now and there's no problem? Because why? It's everything I do. I want his favor. I want his blessing. And it's the little bitty steps along the way that God is trying to lead you before you get into trouble. I have no idea. That's a personal thing. I'm not preaching on coffee pots. I was just giving you an example. Come off the top of my head. You know, I didn't think about preaching on a coffee pot today. That's a real intimate, personal word that the Lord said. Are you going to walk by my direction and I will bless you? Is everything you have brought into your house, every dollar you make, is it submitted to the Holy Spirit and to the King of Kings? Is everything that you have, you let God run it? You ask God for his blessings. Amen. The Bible says that not only are we to put on the armor of God in defense, right, to keep the devil, right, away from our stuff that we, that's how we're, uh, we put on our uh, defense mechanism, but also we're to enlarge our territories. We're supposed to advance. Not only do we, should we shut out the enemy of our life. And how do you do that? Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Don't rebuke the devil, submit to God. What does the word mean? Agree with God. Agree with what God says about this situation and then resist the lie that whatever that situation he's speaking to you and what happens there's no place he runs so any place that we're struggling in over and over and over we're giving him place and we have to say god help me to remove the place Of access that the enemy has In this situation And that is exactly my health, my finances My life, whatever that's going on The Bible says to occupy Until I come to word, occupy means Do business, not only do business And I could get into the parable when one got The the one talent, the three talents And the five talents and the two doubled it Right, and the one, he went and hid it Didn't even put it in the bank he said and Made interest on it, but he decided he would just Protect it, he was fearful, he didn't want to have Any risk, right, that's that So, it's not a word to save all your money because that's the blessing. No. Hoarding up the money is not how they were blessed. What did he do? He took it from them and he gave it to the one that had five that created ten. Wait a minute. So, the one who has more got more, and the one, because God's kingdom, you have a responsibility with your garden, with your home, with whatever God has put in your hand that not only do you protect it, but you enlarge it. You expand it. So if you're a Christian today and you've been a Christian 20 years, you need 20 years of growth. And, if, and he can do it exponentially because if you've been a lazy Christian the first 10 years and you really didn't pray and you didn't study, well, guess what? You become a student of the Word in the latter part of your life and be exponential in what God wants to do in your life. That's grace, and that's anointing, and thank God for his mercy, right? The one that showed up last at the job got the same that the one who came the first day. These are all examples of the Word of God, of grace in our life. But God is waiting on us to surrender all. And that is the secret of having the shalom and the rest of the Lord. There are three things, even this morning, I wrote them down for a part two. Number one, we're supposed to work hard. Work hard, right? Work hard. Number two, uh, we're supposed to rest. Number three, we're supposed to gather the harvest. We're supposed to either gather the harvest or improve. So then you go back and start it again. And that's the, that's the life. That's where we're at. And we want God in the work. The shalom comes from the work that God has approved, that God is in it, that it is submitted. Then the shalom and the rest of the Lord, right, comes because we take the Sabbath and we worship Him. And we don't stop doing the first thing first. Amen. And then we gather in the harvest, right? We improve. There's improvement. There's something going. You know, you're always going to have a harvest somewhere in your life. If you're having a bad situation, with, it's a season with your relationships, you know, even a divorce, whatever's going on in your life, or somebody's hurt you really bad. If you're really a child of God and a believer, and this is not being just one, you know, okay, to the outside to get saved, but you really have had a harvest of sowing. Can I tell you, usually when I talk to the people, wherever they have loss, if, if I talk to them long enough, I recognize, you know, but their finances are just going off the charts or the finances are hurting, but their relationships are just are just amazing. It's like all of, I don't know what's going on, we ain't got no money, but our my husband and I have had a miracle. It's the truth, because there's always fruit somewhere. So when you begin to see uh, maybe something's going on in your life, look for somewhere God's blessing, because there's always somewhere He's blessing. He never, it's a rotation of seasons in our life, and I want to be found faithful. Amen. But the word surrender is a losing term in the natural. Am I right? I mean, we think of it in the natural. Even when somebody holds somebody up at a store where they tell them they surrender, right? They raise their hands up. You know, so it's a giving over your will. So we think that's a negative, but honestly, it's a positive. It's a positive because everything in the kingdom is the opposite. So to surrender means I'm giving up my life, that I will lose my life, that I might gain my life. That's what he says, right? give and you won't receive. In other words, uh, it's the opposite in the kingdom. So we have to renew our mind to be humble, to humble ourselves, to understand that we need to <coughs> excuse me, that we need to, to to close the door to the attacks of the enemy is discern and ask God what is not surrendered in this. And I can tell you there are things that we want to surrender, we think we surrender, we halfway surrender, And then there are things that we truly surrender and we give it up. And whatever you give up for the Lord, in my experience, He gives it back. He might not give back the very same thing. If you give up a relationship that is toxic, He will give you a relationship that is healthy. Do you understand? Whatever you give up, He doesn't want to withhold from you. He wants to give to you. Do you understand? But you have to make room for Him instead of making room for the devil. The Bible says there was no sin found in the Messiah. Why? There was no place found in him. And so, and Paul said, neither give place to the enemy. I can give you some more scripture on that. Because just just to hear this over your understanding. uh, Do we have, let's go ahead to the next screen. Sorry, I don't have my clicker today. And I'm used to it being right there. I got to turn around, don't I? Okay, so unsurrendered living means that we're open to the attacks of the enemy. And the attacks can advance as long as we do not surrender it to the Lord. Now, are we afraid of the enemy? Are we bragging on the enemy? Absolutely not. We're bringing attention, though, to our hearts and to our mindsets and saying, God, I don't want that open door access in my life. If you've got a problem with pornography and there's an addiction there and you've gotten delivered from it, but you know the door of access that caused that, right? Well, then you're not going to go out and buy a computer or whatever that was and open that door again, Right? Because you're giving the devil an access door. You're giving him a place, a direct place to come in and take you into a place that you've already been to. You can absolutely ask God for wisdom how to shut the doors of the things that your flesh can be weak in, right? The spirit is always willing and the flesh is always going to be weak, right? Amen. So here I believe that uh, uh, unsurrender life, is the places in our lives without submission to God. That we can't resist the enemy because we really want what we got and we don't want to give it up. Am I right? And we don't want to be put to the test. But the problem, you may be a Christian and you may have so many good things in your life, but you're really not advancing in the kingdom and the call of God on your life because you're not all in. You're half in, you're half out. You know? What do they call that? Kind of sometimes lukewarm. Sometimes you can be, you may not be just lukewarm. You may be a uh, fire-believing Christian, but there are just choices in your life that you continually hold on to instead of just giving up. Giving up and letting God have his way in your life. Example, even unforgiveness. Do you know that you can hold on to, to unforgiveness? And if you hold on to unforgiveness and you decide, I'm going to do all this, going to church, going to do this and that. But unforgiveness, he don't deserve it, so I ain't forgiven. Well, I'm giving legal access to the enemy of my life. At least when I make those words. I may be saying, I'm going to forgive him. But at the end of the day, in my heart, I've not surrendered it. It's better to say, God, I surrender this. I I have unforgiveness in my life. I I, I want you to heal me. And even the Bible is so important, so even the person brings their offering to the altar, he says, take it back and go get that right in your heart. Because why? You have a legal access that's going to stop your money from having prosperity. Don't give it. You're doing all this in vain. Go back and make that right. Go back and take that legal access away from the enemy. You know, the Bible says, and I'll tell you this, even when you think you're forgiven, and I'll tell you this, forgiveness is a process of time. Some things are great, right? Hurt and pain. And not even just forgiveness, just hurt, period. And when you have unforgiveness, sometimes you've been betrayed or you've been hurt in such a way. Sometimes it takes time. And you think you're free. I've said things, oh, I know, pff, I'm done with that, I'm past that. And then the next thing you know, I might pop up and see something on Facebook or something that's, you know, in the past. Or I'll drive up and see something and bam, like just like that, an arrow shoots through your heart. And all of a sudden, it injures you again. And you're like, where would that come from? Well, that's that wounded place that you think you're past. Now, have I already got forgiveness? Yes. Have I already given it to the Lord? Yes. But now there's a wounding again because it happened again. Now what do I do with that? Do I harden my heart? No. I ask God to heal it again. So unforgiveness has to be a continual thing that you go after for forgiveness that you're able to heal the wounds in your life why cuz Paul said don't be ignorant of Satan's devices what was he talking about he was talking about unforgiveness go read the chapter he said don't be lest he said don't he said don't be ignorant of Satan's devices lest why, he take advantage of you well there you go it goes right with the word that I'm saying today how can the devil have advantage on a child of God you Give Him place and permission. We open the door by refusing to give it to God. Because we believe somehow in our brain, if we hold it against this person, oh, we are allowed, we deserve to be able to do this, then we're hurting them and they have no idea what's going on with you. Right? It doesn't hurt them. All it does is hurt you again and then when you don't surrender to God, it keeps you from going and being free and for you advancing and certainly closing the door to unforgiveness. So forgiveness is ongoing. The Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence. Why? Because out of your heart flows all the issues of life. Your opinion, your heart, your love, what you're you're dealing with, everything that you think and believe in your heart is where those uh, uh, things come from. And the Bible says what? Out of the heart what precedes evil thoughts. Nothing. You have to give your heart to the Lord continuously. I'm talking to Christians been in the in in the faith 40 years. You still will be tested with your heart. Right? Anyway, somebody say praise the Lord to that. Amen. Let's go to the next one. But so unsurrendered living is relying on yourself. In other words. I'm going to keep that. I get to do that. I deserve to do that. I'm going to handle that. Or I'm not giving that to God because I know what's best for me. That is really what you say when you don't surrender. You're relying on yourself. You live in your goodness. You remember the song, His Goodness is Running After Me? Uh, What is it? With my life laid down, I surrender all. I give you everything. Gina sings it powerfully. Right? His goodness is running after me. Is running after me. So what happens when you decide, pride, that you're going to live in your own and you're going to handle this situation, and you refuse to give it to God, maybe you're angry, maybe you're frustrated, maybe you think, hey, this is what I believe I'm supposed to do. When you hold on to that thing, you absolutely cut off the hand of God for healing in your life. And you decide that you have the power and the strength that you're going to be able and guess what your goodness will only last so long you can only be good so long and then your good is going to run out right we can do good things but his goodness it's forever, people. His, his, the Bible says that he's faithful when we are unfaithful. Aren't you grateful for that? Because I'm not talking about beating you up now. and Okay, you maybe you need to give some things to the Lord and he's not there. He's always there. He brought me down here today to preach this word so you could hear it. So you could say, that's it. I've had enough. I'm shutting the door today. I'm not falling in that argument. I'm not going to cheat God out of his tithes. I'm not going to whatever. Because I'm going to give my life. To the King, and I'm going to be surrendered in my heart. And if I'm, and I'm going to keep on trying, even though it's still there, I'm going to keep moving forward. So, surrendered living. If we go to the next one, surrendered living um, is to surrender to God. You will experience His goodness in your life, and eventually, the fruit. It takes time to reap. The Bible says uh, 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 that your. Hold on. Do not be deceived. God is not malt. Whatsoever man sows, that shall he reap. If he does not lose heart. If he doesn't give up. So even if you've sowed and you're griping to God and nothing's happening, it's okay to gripe to God, by the way. It's okay to say anything you want to to God. Right? He knows you anyway. The Bible says he knows every hair on your head. Do you not think he knows that you've got a little attitude toward him? Yeah. You know, and He loves every part of you. And He wants to hear it so you get it out so He can heal you. Right? So it is important to understand and recognize that the Lord is with you and everything. Let me say this. Everything is always revealed to be healed, not to kill. A lot of times we're afraid to surrender because we believe, what? That, you know, that God is going to punish us or God is going to what? He loves you today. And He is going to forgive you every time. man. Not always. God, every time. You get angry, get angry, and then go to God and tell him I'm angry. And let God work it out with you because he will bring you through. He will bring you through. Amen. So I want to go to David because David was a Psalms 23, and we're just going to go through these scriptures kind of quick. But the David was a shepherd boy on the hills of Bashan. On the bulls of Bashan, he is a shepherd out there in northern Israel where some of the people that went with me were going up to the Golden Heights and we go there to the synagogue that we know Yeshua was in. Very first century, extremely amazing there. And David had a word, you know. He was just a shepherd boy. He was uh, he was rejected by his father Jesse and his brothers because he was not from the same mother. And so this it says out of pain he was what conceived because he was conceived from a, a woman who was not his Jesse's wife. And so basically he was a he was a reject that it seemed like he would never have a future. But we know God said, "Uh uh-uh, uh, I will take the very person that you think has no future." And I will not only give him a future, I'll place him over you. He's going to be the king. So here's a shepherd boy out there, but there's something beautiful about Psalms 23. And we always talk about Psalms 23 at funerals. I think it's great at funerals, right? But also, can I tell you that this was David's life psalm. It wasn't just a death psalm. And he says, and so David knew here, he's explaining something beautiful. That he compares himself to the sheep that he's taking care of. And he compares his father to the shepherd. And it is so beautiful that David is out there alone. And he says to the Lord, you are what? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He begins to go through uh, what he's doing With the sheep and protecting them. And he begins to describe that this is who the father is in his life. And so he begins to say this, and I believe that tension, and there's tension out there, there was there was evil out there in the form of wolves, right, in the forms of lions. Matter of fact, we talked about it. there are not even any more lions or wolves out there uh, in today's time. There used to be lions and wolves out there. It's very treacherous, and when you go around the bend there, the valley of shadow, the, the rock, we didn't go this past time, but the, usually I go every time, the valley of shadow, the crater, the rocks are so big, and when, there are two rocks, and when he would go through the path. The sun was always shining but when he would go through that path that was dark you know sun was always shining but it seemed dark and that's where the prey would remain would be right there to get the sheep that would kill him and so he would say though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil and that is where that place that he's talking about it is the same thing when we go through troubles when he he was surrendered he was submitted to God and so the way he defeated the enemy was he had a relationship with the father and, and we are going to have we have an adversary and we do know that the enemy is roaming to and fro, seeking who he may devour. And how does he do that? Places in our own heart also schemes and wickedness against us. And that's why we're on missionful purposes for the Lord. He will protect us. He will send his angels to protect you. Amen? He will work on our behalf. Let's just look at the scripture real quick, though. Say it with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. In other words, he's making a declaration. He's my shepherd. And now I have no want in my life. You know that word want means there's no lust. It means I'm shalom. I'm complete in Him. I don't have any need in me because He has healed my innermost being. And that is eventually going to be eternity in our life because we can't rebuke the flesh because guess what? Then we're not breathing. Right? So the flesh is something we always are going to be dealing with. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Jehovah Jireh, God my provider, he is my shepherd. And those are declarations. How many of you know sometimes you need to watch what you say? How many of you know you curse your own money, you curse your own kids and your family and your relationships and your job and everybody on your job? Because you out of your mouth is life and death. And you don't say, He's my provider. I shall not want. Even though you're wanting. But God, you're speaking it as though it was, guys. And that's the way we operate. It's opposite in the kingdom. Let's go ahead to the next scripture. He makes me lie down in green pastures, David said. He feeds me. He helps me find. He makes me take time and lay down so that I get nourished, Right. And, and, I, and so David's talking about, I'm going to follow him. So, so here's one thing we forget. We're not leading Jesus. We're following Jesus. And a lot of times, you know, when people get in trouble in their lives, or when I'm talking to them, a lot of times they have just took off and started leading, and then they stopped following. But we're followers of Christ. That's disciples. That we're followers of the Spirit, right? The next one, it leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. Not music, not a person. Not anything. When there's a deep pain and wounding or maybe something happened in life that you won't have any idea and you had nothing to do with. Maybe it was an absolute shocker that came into your life. He restores your soul. He can go into the innermost place and be so real with you and heal you in a place. That's why he said, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. That's what the scripture means. That, that Nobody else can comfort you, but I can comfort you because I knew this day was going to happen. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. In other words, David's saying, I'm going to follow God's path. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thy rod, thy staff, the tools of the Lord, they comfort me. Amen. And then he says, surely, and say this with me, surely. Goodness. Goodness. And mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Why does goodness follow you? When you're submitted and you're following him. It's when you get into your own thing and you want to know, well, why ain't the Lord good to me? Well, where are you? you see, you can be saved and a Christian, but you don't have abundant life. The Bible says, I come, Jesus said, I came to give you life and that you may have it more abundantly. Guess what? The and more abundantly is a choice. You can have life, go to heaven. But you don't have the victory and the freedom and the blessing and the life here because of your choices and our choices that we make. And we want abundant life. We need a clean house sometimes. Amen? And this is a personal word because I can't come to your house. Now, I can tell you what is sin that's spelled out in the Bible, but there's a lot of things that's just work out your own salvation and the Holy Spirit will deal with you. And you know what to do and not to do. Amen? You just do the things that God tells you to do and not the things. So the Bible says, shall follow you. You know what that word follow means? It means hot pursuit. How many ever watched Dukes of Hazzard years ago? <laughs> they were in hot pursuit, right? Hot pursuit. I remember that on the on the radio. Hot pursuit, we're in hot pursuit. And and I was thinking, of, I don't know why that came to my mind today, because I never I don't even I might have watched it, but it wasn't like a, you know, like y'all were like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I can't say, I said, yeah, I'm a of Hazard fan, no. No, for some reason it just came to my mind. And I just kind of chuckled. You know, is goodness and mercy behind me today while I'm preaching? Did goodness and mercy come in the door with me? Did goodness and mercy go into the store with you? Is goodness and mercy chasing you down? Hot pursuit of the believers. And so God wants to bless you. God wants to heal you. God wants to enlarge your territory. He's waiting on you to say, I give you all. I surrender all. Hot suit chases you down. Hot suit. The next time you open a door and you go in a place, then you just sit there and hold the door and you say, come on in, goodness and mercy. You need to see goodness and mercy is following you. Because I guarantee you, those are the things that keep our heart humble. Because we're like, because how many times, you know, you, when you get into the natural and you say, this is the problem, you act any way you want to when you're home. And, and you're, not, you're not acting the way you would maybe at church. And so what? You don't feel the presence of God because why? You're living a double life. So if you want goodness and mercy in your home, please open the door and say, Lord, I surrender all at this moment and I want him in my house. I want goodness and mercy in my house. I don't want to stop on my door. God will not jam the door down, break the door down, and allow his favor to be upon you. His favor is on you whether you actually want it or not. His blood was applied, which is his favor, and sealed upon your life. Amen. Hallelujah. And then the last verse he says, and go ahead and go to the next one. I'm sorry. Go. I will dwell, David says, and he declares this psalm, and then he says, I'm going to dwell in the presence of the Lord, basically. I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm going to be with Jesus forever. I give him my life forever. So I believe, and these are the the things that I'm going to go run through really quickly. He says to surrender living requires worship. Number one, that's what David had a life of worship to the king. He had a worship. And the Bible says don't forsake yourself coming together. In other words, Jesus put a scripture in there. Yep, for 2021 and all the virtual. I'm so glad that we have a video that when you're sick or you've got a hospital situation or you're out of town, like today I could go online and watch our service. But can I tell you, that's not the way God would have me live. He wants me to be together. For the assembly so that something happens in the gathering. That I come to the house together. He calls us in the body together, right? Now you can be together online, but there's a point where you need to be together. Amen? You need to be together. So find who your people are and get with them. Hallelujah. But don't forsake. So worship first. And also your schedule. I just said this to somebody already a little while ago. Your schedule needs to be surrendered to God. Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, I'm going to read a scripture here. In Paul's final letter, one of his last words that he wrote, very powerful word in 2 Timothy. And he writes this to Timothy because Timothy was really, really doubting and, and confused and upset. And a lot of things were going on in the church of Ephesus. The idolatry came in the church. And, and so Paul begins to describe the last days. And I want to tell you, This was not for the sinners. This scripture was for the believers. And when I read this again this morning, the Lord took me to this today, and I actually put it in the last minute. In 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 3, In the last days, men will be lovers of themselves. And we're living in one of the most selfish times that I've ever known. Now, it may get worse, right? And I go on to be with Jesus, and it comes again. He says men will be lovers of themselves. He says, and lovers of money. There's your alcoholics, workaholics, you know, holics. That's, that's money. Make sure you're not chasing money. Right? You can't have the love of money is the root of all evil. We want you to work hard. We don't want you to be a workaholic. You understand? It's what you can accomplish. It's all got to be submitted to the Lord. And yes, the more you make, the more you can give to the kingdom. So all of that's what God wants, but it must be surrendered. Amen? And so, and he, then he goes on and he says... Or, or lovers of money, uh, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful. I just feel like sometimes America is so unthankful. Right? Go out of the country and come back. You will realize how sometimes unthankful, that, we don't, we, that we're selfish and that we're very much, very lustful at times. And we don't use what God has given us, the freedom that God has given us for his kingdom and his glory. We use it for ourselves. Right? And that's what Egypt did. When they came out of the Egypt and they were in the wilderness, right? What did they do? They melted the calf, the very gold that God gave them to come out of Egypt. They melted it down and they worshiped. What are you worshiping that God has given you? He says that they would be lovers. They would be lovers. They would be lo- unloving. They would be unforgiving, which means irreconcilable. How many of you know there were things that happened within the church that was irreconcilable? That's not what God wants. He wants us to come up and love. The power of love is the answer for our age. Can I tell you that? And understanding and prayer, love, understanding, not on the soapbox, right? We already been down that because I already talked about, you know, um, America's not a God, right? He's our God. We got to make certain that the church is being the church in this land. I believe sometimes that COVID came to give the church an opportunity to rise up. I believe the church separated. We need to rise up. I'm not saying every single person uh, separated. I believe God wants to bring us together to be inclusive. He wants us to be His church. And what does the Bible say? The Bible says that they will know us in the world by the way we love each other and accept people. Praise the Lord. Let me move right on. Hallelujah. Or any of these things described in the church. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Worship first. Worship in your heart. Worship God. He's first place in your finances. He's first in your schedule. He's first in your family. He's first in your personal life. He's first in your morning. You wake up. Do you think of coffee or do you think of Jesus? I think of coffee. I had to go past that and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I say, God, let me think of you first. And then I'll do it. I'll think of Jesus first as I wake up my eyes. And then I'm like, but where's the coffee pot?" I'll say, thank you for the coffee. (laughs) See, we're creatures of habit. And if you get a habit that God is first, guess what? The devil hates it. You don't even have to think about it. He's first. If your ties are coming out automatically, you don't met a standard. If you are, uh, maybe got boundaries with your marriage that you're not going to be, you're not going to but no way you're going to be in a place that you shouldn't be, right, on Friday night with another woman because you got boundaries. It's automatic. We got to get all of our life in automatic that it is worship first. And then he is surrendered. Amen in all things. It requires trust. Do we have that one up? I'm sorry. Go ahead and go to the, the last one right there. Requires worship, requires trust. Trust. Requires unanswered questions. Trust means you don't have all the answers. Or else you're not actually getting to trust. Trust is also when you have an opportunity to not trust. Okay? Real test of trust is when you're put against a test. Or you're faced with something you don't understand. But you say, yet I will trust God. And God will meet that need. It's incredible how he comes in and brings in his perfect plans and will in your life. Trusting God. Amen. The Bible, as a matter of fact, the Bible says, what, that we, how do we receive our salvation? We confess our, we confess, right, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, right, Jesus, and through his blood that we are saved. But how do we get healing? Confessing to one another. Confess your faults to one another that you might be healed. There's no healing because we can't trust people. Because if you don't trust Yahweh God, how are you going to trust your spouse? How are you going to trust people? See, some people have a trust issue with God. And if it's a trust issue, with, I don't know. But God is always showing me that, you know, left to my own devices, I'm going to mess up everything. Right? I'm going to mess up everything. And if I forget it, he'll bring me somewhere that I will realize, okay, my good just about ran out. And I need to trust God. And then I'll say, oh, Lord, we're, oh, yes, I need you. Absolutely. My strength is only but so strong. Hallelujah. Surrender living requires trust, that we trust God. We can stop the sermon right here, actually, and that's what it's about, trust. Trusting God with our life. Trusting God if we give our tithes, he's going to meet our needs. Trusting the word. We believe for salvation, but we're not sure about all the rest. Full surrender. I surrender all. Requires faith. Faith out of the box, unreasonable faith. Do I have somebody who will come up and play, and I'm just going to do a prayer here at the end. Okay. Requires faith. When I went to Israel this time, I'm going to tell you, it required great faith. Everybody that went, they went through everything. They fought through everything. There was so much warfare. Because I knew we were supposed to go. I got a word that we were going. No matter what, everything said. Even the Knesset shut the country down. And the Lord said to me, when the, when the, he, they shut the country down, I didn't tell a soul. We had just had a huge meeting, did all this paperwork and did the power of attorney and all that. And, I mean, we just went to levels that we never had to go to to go. And we already had to have, you know, the vaccine and these things. But we had had a word to go. I had a word. I knew we were going. And then I got an email on Monday morning after a Sunday afternoon meeting. And I, I, got a, um, I got an email, and the email said, You know, my dearest Tammy, I knew then, oh, my Lord, what is this, you know? Uh, uh, I'm sorry to say, the Knesset met last night, and they decided to close the country through the holy days. And therefore, you were the next visa that would have been applied for, and so everything's put on hold. And so I was like, you got to be kidding me. And so I just sit there, and the Lord said, don't open your mouth. Well, that was very hard. Not just because I want to tell somebody next to me or one of my team members or somebody, you know, because I'm hurting for people. No, no, don't tell anyone. And I was like, okay. But it was like, and then I kept getting their, they got their, here's the second vaccine. Well, here's this one. Well, I got my paperwork. And it was like the Lord said, don't say anything. And I even grabbed the email and I put it in private because I got three people in my ministry team. They read all my emails. If you want something private to me, write private in the subject and it goes to private. I have very few things in there. But I grabbed it and put it in private real quick because that's what the Lord said. Don't read it. Don't say it. Don't do anything. And I was like, okay, be still and know that I'm God. Okay, Lord. Well, this is a really big deal what, because if I got I need to tell them this because we're going to. You know, uh, I mean, if we're not going, I don't want them to be, Heather, you know, you know, they're they're, whole, they're they're taking off work. I mean, I'm giving God all the reasons. He said, don't say a word. For 10 days, I kept that to myself. 10 days. 10 days. It was the most gruesome days of my life. Every morning, God, are you sure? Don't say a word. So I got up, and on the 10th day, I got an email that said, the uh, Ministry of Tourism said, I'm doing everything I can to get your group opened in front of the Knesset, and we're petitioning them to hear your case, and I was the first ray of hope when they said it was no hope, they put everything on pause, the numbers are climbing, you're not coming, and so I said, Lord, I know you gave me a word to go, and that's what the Lord said, then just stand on that word, and so basically, um, uh, at that moment when I got that, then I was released to tell my team what had been happening, and now let's pray that this comes about. And then the next night they met and they opened up the country for to consider our visa. And then the, but the people that won the trip they never knew any different. They didn't go through all the anguish I went through day and night. Now they went through other anguish. But we were at the end, people. we're at September. <laughs> August the, August 18th to the 28th. And on September the 6th, the weekend after Labor Day is when the uh, confirmation came that they were going to let us in with a VIP pass. That means open up everything as we get to the door. Every, anywhere we want to go, the country was ours. Favor. And they went in there and told them the divine favor of the Lord. And I knew I had, I, but if I had never stood on that word. Now this is just one example. You may have a word on something else. But if I hadn't stood on that word, we would have never went to that place. And we would have never experienced what we did, the most blessed trip of a lifetime. There are things that the Lord told me today to tell you. Your walk with Him requires faith. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. Do you understand? You don't have a choice if you're going to do great things for God. And it will require unreasonableness. It's things out of your box. Everything ain't neat and tidy and okay, you know, let's do this. I'm going to step out when everything's neat and tidy. Nope. Faith is when God gives you a word and you stand on it and He proves Himself to you of who he is, then you go and do things beyond what you never ever would do because you could believe. You're not going to achieve the things that you really want in your life unless you are walking forward in faith. You can sit still and you can have a good life. And you can go to heaven, but you will never have all that God's got for you. And you will never do great things for God. You you will deal with addictions and struggles because you don't surrender to God. And you just settle. Well, you're like your father and your grandfather, so there you go. I got news for you. When you're born again, all things are new. Behold, all things become new. You are not your parents. I'm not a product of my parents. I'm in my my natural life. But I'm the father's now daughter. I want to be like him. Let's stand up today requires waiting I had to wait 10 days and there's a whole word on the last two and I'll just do it another time but I don't know who you are today but I know that the Lord would have me you know bring me this word to you that there are things of challenges in your life let's just close our eyes for just a moment and if this word is spoken to you, you know that you're. That this is. we're not going to move out of the seat. I'm going to pray for you. But right where you are, I want you to lift your hand right there. Just be bold. Say, God, I, I, I need you. I need you. I need to trust you. I, I need to have faith. I need to surrender everything I got. I, I need to surrender my attitude. I need to surrender anything that's hindering me. I, I'm holding these things that I want to do. And I'm not giving them to you. And so you're not coming in them because I, and the enemy's got access because I just keep... Holding it and believing I can do it. So, Father, right now, any unforgiveness in the room, anybody that is struggling with an old wound or hurt, maybe it's unforgiveness to God, just tell him, I, God, I forgive you now. I, I release it. Who am I to not forgive you? You forgave me. Father, we just lift up right now every hand that's in this room, every heart that knows that your word was released, God. This is your word is amazing. It's not my word or my experiences. It's it's your word and it's your life-changing Transformation in our lives. I pray right now, Father, there's people making a decision to release this to you. To surrender all. I surrender all. I surrender all. Everything to Him. I surrender to Him today. Let there not be one place that I have kept, that I propped up, that I'm trying to hold on to because I'm afraid that I'll lose it. Then God, I give it up because I can't be afraid anymore. I've got to give it to you. Because that's where the enemy's tormenting me with fear. Because I'm trying to hold it up myself. I thank you now, Lord. We just release these things to you. And I pray right now for your perfect peace and the shalom of the Lord. The blessing of the Lord be upon these people. In the name of Jesus. Amen, amen. Can we give the Lord praise today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, God bless you. We love you at Kingdom Impact. And we just want you to have a great day.